I need to buckle in and and lock things up for the next five hours because this is gonna this is gonna be a rough ride till the sun comes up. So, you know, let's let's neck that V or whatever and um, have some caffeine and, and let's get through this. Kia ora koutou. that was Adam Keane. I'm Matt Raymond. And I'm Eugene Bingham. And this is Dirt Church Radio, interesting conversations with interesting runners. Okay, new year, new us, new ad reads. I know we can get a bit waffly at the top, so we're going to keep it tight this year. Shout out to the brands we love and that support Dirt Church Radio. So, Eugene? Yeah? Snappy. Come what, on. What are we doing? Oh, the so, ads. Yes. Oh, Scott boys. running. Joe boy. Yep. Scott uh, running. Ultra spy. Joe sunglasses. Ultra spy packs. Further faster. Cielli. Keeping it real. You can find all of these brands all over our show notes, all over our Instagram, all over our Facebook. And, and you know, if you ever see photos of us or us in the flesh we are covered in the gear because we like it and we use it tattooed on our foreheads I'm getting Um, that this year Yep. further faster in Christchurch the best little independently owned sports store in the known universe and getting getting out there to races Um, and wild things don't forget you can get your 15 months for the price of 12 is that right yes I've got the maths right Uh, using the code um, DCR2021 Probably needs to change actually, but that's the code, you know. And that's Just the ads. Saying. That's the ads done. Thanks, rugby. Gonna go something like further, faster. There in Christchurch, Rocky is hairy, and so is Badger. Jules is nice, and Jack is delicious. Go further, faster now. Go further, faster. There in Christchurch, Rocky is hairy, and so is Badger. Jules is nice, and Jack is delicious. Go further, faster now. Dickish Radio. Episode 177. We made it. We did. A few races made it as well. And we've somehow made it back into the red light, not the red light district. No. Well, it's a red light country. Yeah. It's the red light traffic system. It sure is. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, for those of you outside of Aotearoa, um, we've just had our first community cases of the Omicron variant for the first time. So... Uh, a few more restrictions have been imposed, which has thrown quite a bit up in the air, including including causing havoc for some upcoming races. Um, mm. Yeah, so, I mean, hearts out to all those race organisers who are having to figure things out again, um, as well as people who have been training for stuff as well. But but mostly, you know, I mean, to you and your colleagues, Matt, in the healthcare system, you know, kia kaha. Oh, look, I think it's... I, it does feel, you know, that and not not to tie it. We're all in the same boat. No one really knows what's going to happen, and yeah. you know, all the modelling in the world. It's just. I mean, we've had an incredible conversation, though. Yeah. Frequently with Dirt Church Radio, and I don't know if you find this, but I get conversations that I want, obviously, because we book the guests. But I more often than not get the conversation that I need. Yeah. And this week was no exception. Adam Keane, um, our first yurt-based interview we've ever done conversation. Uh, not the first time he's been on the on the on the pod for, for by any stretch of the imagination. But what a legend, um, coach, and amazing athlete, Adam Keane. And and you might have heard on last week's episode with Emma Timmis. Uh, you know he was the person that coached her on her incredible record 
hopefully record-breaking run across Aotearoa. But you said something, I did not see this, but tell us what's been happening with yeah. Adam Key. So there was there was a, a drinking game apparently proposed uh, that if you listen to last week's episode of Adam and every time you hear his name, you take a drink. Um, apparently it can be quite a, quite a messy scene. So uh, because he was, of course, in our discussion about Revenant as well. He was. And then he came up a lot in the discussion about Emma. So, yeah, people needed a lot on hand to be able to get through that particular drinking game. But yeah. um, Boy, yourself's a cold one. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I don't know if it counts this week, but... Mm. Uh, but yeah, great conversation with Adam. And as, as as you were saying, Matt, you know, lots of what he has to say applies way beyond just running. It's sort of mm. attitude to life stuff really, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. Now, uh, speaking about something that's ostensibly about running but relates very well to life, um, our good friend, past guest, uh, Commonwealth Games silver medalist, Gareth Morris, mm. uh, movie maker. Extraordinaire yeah. as well. Our friend Gene Andrews um, DNF'd the... No, he didn't. Yes, he, yes, did. he did. DNF'd yep. the 200... 200. The 2018 uh, Tarawera 100 miler. In fact, I know that because I was his pacer and I was in the motel room with his wife when he showed up looking um, fresh as a daisy but very, very stunned and uncomfortable at the same time. And Gareth has put together a, a film Seeking Balance, and um, we've got the link in our show notes and suggest that you check it out because yeah. it's, it's, the it's story incredible. Of, the story of Gene's kind of revenge, really, isn't it? Oh, I, don't, you know, I don't want to spoil it, but, um, um, yeah, it's the, the, his, his return to Tarawera and, the, the, you know, the attitude he has to take into it, um, you know, what it takes for him to get through it. Uh, yeah, and f- featuring a couple of Dutch Radio Muppets. Yeah, well, I mean, you you paced him, and I called him in at the finish line. I mean, yeah, definitely put the work in there, man. Like we did, we did. <laughs> but um, yeah, go and go and watch Gareth's um, movie. Uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen with Tarawera this year? Um, but at least you can watch this movie, get a bit inspired, um, and and remember the beauty of our sport. Mm, um, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So good work, Gareth. Awesome work. Um, look, it was it was great to catch up with you on the weekend. You well, were, I mean, you know, it's so dry in the forest at the moment, though, isn't it? I think today, as as we record, we, it's been raining today. Uh, yes. not nearly enough. I think it was the longest dry spell on record for Auckland thirty eight mm. days, thirty nine days. Mm. Um, exceptionally dry in the forest. In fact, I you know I've never thought this before. And I was wondering what worrying about the risk of forest fires and all that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, yeah, a bit of rain and today. It's super, but super hard underfoot, isn't it? You know, super hard underfoot because it's it'll clay. Be slippery as hell today. It's not. It's dry up there because everything's it? just been everything's sucked, gone up. sucked yeah. in. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah completely. Yeah. So it's up there on the yeah. hike with a dog. But yeah, mm, it was and really you, good to catch up. And you've been doing a bunch of um, running and hiking. Yeah, so the, the patron Australian working Kelpie of Dirt Church Radio, uh, my dog Rigby, has um, been coming off an injury. And so we've been rehabbing him for a while. And so he's not running at the moment, but he is, still needs a decent, you know, six or seven kilometres a day of walking <laughs> at a minimum. Uh, otherwise, you've got like 20 dogs in your house. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so that, that's been super fun. Super, super fun getting out and, and mixing up with some hiking as well as the running. Yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah. It's good. And how you doing? Look, I'm hanging in there. Uh, yep. I was super worried when I saw, you know, we hadn't, 
you turned up. I was doing a longer run on Sunday. You, you know, we'll talk about what you've been up to, but uh, you joined me for the second loop and I was immediately kind of in your ear, just like worried about what was happening. And, you know, this is on Sunday before the press conference uh, and just generally quite worried. Uh, I've been on leave. I found it quite difficult to come to a complete stop. You know, like it's been really enjoyable, but at the same time, it's hard coming to a stop. Um, and now that, it's a weird thing now that I know like what's happening, I feel the sense of I have every other time of just like okay it's time to go and do what I got to do or what what everyone's got to do so I feel that sort of sense of calm but if I could say this to anyone is just please be good to each other I know everyone's yeah. super tired mm. um do what you need to do get, to get by don't be too hard on yourselves and and hug or maybe virtually hug your local race organizer your small business owner your healthcare professional and any other essential service workers as they're going to be up against it over the next little while as much as we all are um Mm. and no one wants to be here but you know someone's got to deliver the milk right that's right that's right yeah i mean maybe 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 you can practice your smiling eyes technique because that's right i often forget like i'm smiling beneath my mask but you know my eyes maybe aren't conveying it so you got to practice the smiling eyes yeah absolutely The, the the you got to give the nod yeah i mean you've had a this week talking to Adam, you know, talking about like sort of grabbing, being tenacious, grabbing it by the teeth or sinking your teeth. And what did you get up to this week? Yeah, well, on Thursday last week, um, basically what happened is our good friend Tom Magusa uh, was planning a mission down to run the Milford Track in a day. And he'd been wanting to do it for about three years. And the opportunity came up to jump on board with them. And so I totally did. Um, partly... You know, partly because of what's been going on the last couple of years. It's like, you know, take these opportunities when they come along. So, yeah, Tom and I headed down to Milford, and um, it's a run that I've seen people describe as logistically really difficult but so worth it, and I, I can only agree. You know, the logistics of getting to the track are, are quite tricky because you've got to have two boat rides. you have a boat ride to get in, boat ride to get out. So that means you need to arrange that. You need to get your car from one end to the other of the track and all that sort of stuff. But, um, you know, we uh, got help from Field, Field and Outdoors and, and from Easy Hike um, to, to – I want to say got help, we pay for um, – to be able to do that. Um, and then, yeah, jumped on a boat at 7 o'clock in the morning, skipped across to Sandfly Point, so ran the opposite direction that the hikers usually do it. They usually do it um, – they, it, the four-day hike comes from Glade Wharf to Sandfly Point. We ran Sandfly Point to Glade Wharf. Uh, and I've got to say, it's the most stunning, stunning place I've ever run. Just absolutely mind-blowing. Um, the first, I think, hour and a half, we wasted so much time just stopping going, <gasps> look at that, oh, my God, you know, just um, you know, taking photos before we realised we've got to get a, get a move on because we did have to meet the boat at the other end and we had a you know, mountain pass to get over. Um, and once you get up into McKinnon Pass, uh, you can see why it's a UNESCO world, you know, conservation area, um, world heritage area. It's just, it, it's so, so beautiful. Um, absolutely stunning. Um, we had a bluebird day. So, you know, um, our bags were packed with jackets and thermals and all that sort of stuff. I had my spine jacket from Further Faster and, didn't need to get a single thing out of the bag, you know, just, you know, the, 
the, the vest just stayed on me all day. Um, and so, you know, no rain, no wind, sun, but not too hot, just perfect conditions. Um, and absolutely stunning, great company, great run, um, and logistics that worked out. We got there sort of five minutes before the boat was due to leave, so perfect wow. timing. Yeah, yeah. How good. Uh, yeah, definitely recommend it. It's not easy, um, you know, and logis- logistics are hard, but uh, it's it's well, well worth it if you ever get the chance. Mm. I mean, way to, yeah, way to grab it with both hands. What a fantastic, and you, you're, back, you're back on Sunday. You had a little, you had a wee trip, at, wee sort of sojourn in Wellington and then back yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, so good, so good. Um, yeah, so I think we should just get on with it, shall we? Let's do it. Stuff you should know. Stuff you should know. Um, look, a great weekend of racing uh, with Naseby, Ultra Easy, the Goat, Auckland Marathon. Uh, what else was there? There was a whole bunch of other races mm. that squeezed in before that COVID announcement. Um, do you want to kick us off with the Naseby uh, rundown there, Matt? Yeah, well, I mean, Naseby, iconic, iconic race. Uh, heaps of incredible performances. So it's Aotearoa's first 200 miler, um, which is bananas. But Andy Smith, inaugural winner of the 200 mile race, 200 miles and 320 kilometers odd. Yeah. Yes, it is. It's 320 kilometers in those uh. temperatures. I mean, it's high 20s, uh, hot, exposed. Usually, Naseby's run in August. Um, but with the postponements and so on, it was moved to January and yeah, superb, consistent, uh, no sleep till the finish, yeah, no sleep till Naseby, like the Beastie Boys said. And, um, <laughs> I, you were saying, you know, he could have probably snuck another lap in there if he'd have needed to, but he came. <laughs> so into, yeah, I know. Brian McCoy. McCorkendale was the only other runner to be standing in the 200 miler, which started on Thursday morning. He missed the Saturday night cutoff, but he decided to keep going. He finally made it home on Sunday night. There's 81 hours, and you'll hear in this conversation with oh. Adam just how epic that was. Um, in the 100 miles, it was Mark Doolin. He took out that, and Brooke Thomas was the first female and second overall home in 1847. There was a ton of other great results. Uh, ben Keeps made it to the um, podium in the 100 miles and Yoni Keeps, his son, came through the field to win the 50 kilometres and i got to give a special shout out to our mate Harry Kidby who knocked yeah. off the 100 miler he's been training so hard for and this is the thing and we talk, I don't know if we've talked about it before this isn't Harry's first tilt at 100 mile distance last year at Tarawira he made it to about 121 kilometres when his body just went, you know what, I'm done I'm in a lot of pain and I'm not going to cooperate with you. Now you might say well yeah, okay, cool story um, everyone's body doesn't cooperate with them at 120 kilometers into a hundred mile race. But five months before, uh, Harry was out on a run and he was listening to Dirt Church Radio and he got run over. Like properly, legitimately, 100% run over. And like it was broke. like tumble up in the air, yep. come down, kind of run over. It wasn't just yep. like yep. toe got run over in the car park, kind of run over. Broke a foot, broke the other leg and one of his hands, you know, and got a yep. head injury. So three out of your four limbs and you, and, and gave his noggin and a real flogging. Mm. And, and when we got the, obviously we were all crushed. We were like, oh my goodness. With Five months later, he's back running the, trying to get at Tarawira. And this time he nutted it out and, and got it done. And it was incredible. 
um, mm-hmm. incredible effort, and there was he trained like a beast for it, so there was no doubt that he wasn't going to get it. So I mean, I know this is this is a personal shout out, but it's well deserved, man. Like well done, and mm-hmm. you know, hope you get your beer and chips up in. Mm-hmm. Special shout out too to Eileen and Jamie who retired as the race organisers. Um, they've been stalwarts for sport, and they deserve a huge shout out for always maintaining a community feel of their races. Enjoy retirement, um, and thank you on behalf of the whole trail community. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Um, and I see that Jamie's talking about running the hundred mile next next year. So he's going to be back. In, when I say next year, I mean this year um, in August to do that. So talk about put your feet up in retirement. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, look, the well, ultra, this thing easy. is an RD. Yeah. It's really hard to do your own race. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You know, like, well, I think they've been doing it fifteen years. Is it? Yeah. Um, so yeah, he wouldn't wouldn't have been wouldn't have been able to do it in that time. But um, look, ultra easy uh, out of out of Luggett, uh in the Wanaka area there. Uh, and Adam gives I think the best description you'll hear um, of ultra easy and how tough it is. But uh, yeah, that run was over the weekend. Women's overall 100k solo, Kirsty Skidmore got it done. And in the men's, it was Reese Hamilton, who, who came from second to charge home and win. Um, in the marathon, it was uh, Joe Leversley for the women and David Lawson for the men. Um, mm. Again, we talk about Glenn Sutton, but, uh, you know, get this. He does Revenant last weekend. He turns up to... Uh, Naseby runs 80 kilometres, finishes about quarter past 11, then goes to Ultra Easy and and runs there. Uh, he is, is he human? Oh, he's built, I mean, you hear that term built different, yes, bandied about, but the man is built different. So he left yeah. Naseby at 11 o'clock at night, drove to Wanaka for the 3am start and then yeah. banged out an 18 hour. Oh, astonishing, <sighs> astonishing. Just, <sighs> wow. I can't even. No, no. The goat. Mm. This event is sellout. Oh. It, it's 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 up there. It's just like that. It's one of the toughest uh, races out there for the distance and also in the conditions. So get Ryan your Carr, money's worth, don't you? You do. You, you get do your get money's your money's worth, worth in the yep. goat. Um, Ryan Carr, second last year to Saul's Corporal, uh, back this year for the win, and he described it as hot and rugged, and which given his laconic attitude and, you know, uh, it really means something when he says that it was hot and rugged. Huge effort, and he, he ran with Stay Hard written on his arm. And it was my... Uh, hey, hey, I just on, on Ryan, I messaged him yesterday and said, well done, and um, are you riding back home again this year? Because remember last year he rode back yes. home, and, and then he did, he did a um, SK. SK. Yeah. yeah. And he went, no, damn it, I'm already back on the farm. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Uh, Maya Flint in her fifth goat, but the youngest age category under 23 took out the win in a tight finish. And yeah, I mean, incredible event. Jason Cameron and the team, they've had a lot thrown, as everyone has, but they've had a lot thrown at them over the years. And it must have been really great to get that one done. And mm-hmm. and special shout out to Inia Mati wore a goat costume. Was that what he was wearing? Yeah, 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 no, it had little ears, horns, and teats. Oh. I mean, wow. everyone's got their own thing. I mean, yeah, well, you know, way, you to, way to blow off steam. Yeah, that's right, that's right. What a legend. Hey, Auckland Marathon, um, just quickly, Dan Jones, look, lines up at Kepler last week, runs that 60K, wins it for the fourth time in a row, uh, turns up at Auckland Marathon. We we talked on on Sunday morning, didn't we? And I was we like, did. I was like, mate, nah, he's, you know. After Kepler, oh, I don't know, you know, because he won it last year. In fact, I, I pretty much wrote him off, didn't I? 
You and did. then put my hand up. And then uh, Ian, he goes and wins the bloody thing again, back to back. He did. Uh, and he didn't just win it. He, he you know, sets the course, his course PB of two hours 20. Um, he he said that with his plans for racing at Tarawera uh, in a few weeks, and he thought he might he might tempo the run. But with Omicron, you don't know what races are going to come up. So I changed my mind, changed my strategy. When races are on, you've got to go for it. So, yeah, I just raced hard. Wow. He That's sure awesome. did. Yeah, <laughs> he sure did. Uh, Lisa Cross, um, who won back in 2011, was the women's winner this year, ahead of Hannah Oldroyd, 10 years later. Pretty good. Mm. Or 11 years later. Not bad. Well done, Lisa. Um, your coach, Scotty Hawker. Yeah, indeed. He had a pretty good weekend. He did, yeah. So he's he's back here for the summer. Um, and he got his first race in and set a course record, uh, St. James Stampede Half Marathon near Hamner Springs, and he blitzed it. And he lined up with his dad, Jamie, uh, mm. first race for 18 months after back surgery. So that's uh, amazing. There's a bunch of other races down there too, but, I mean, the miler didn't go ahead this year for yeah. reasons. Yeah. yeah. So let's wait and see what happens over the next few weeks. I've already seen notifications of a few Races that have been postponed and so on, but um, you know, fingers crossed, eh? And mm. some of them, some of them going ahead, uh, finding ways to get. I think old ghost um, looking um, optimistic of getting getting away. So, you know, let's just see what happens. Right. Greatest, Greatest run, run ever. ever. Greatest run ever. Greatest run ever. The part of the show where we ask you to write into us and tell us your greatest run ever. It doesn't have to be a race or a mountain summit. It might just be a run around the block. Something that's sung to you for some reason. And you can send it in to us at dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. Look, just quickly before we get into yes. it. I know I, I get a bit antsy about the old send us your You get aggressive, Eugene. I do a little, I do a little bit. Um, but what I hadn't realised was the pressure that people are under. And we got this email from our mate, Brooke Van Reenen, that explains it. Hey team, long time listener, long time poster. I was going to write in about another greatest run ever, but that would be my third one. And then after I ran that run, I had another greatest run ever. Do you see the dilemma here? It's so hard to pick just one. They're all amazing in different ways, even the ones that suck. Anyway, so there's my not greatest run ever because they are all great. Happy New Year, guys. Looking forward to more episodes. Cheers, Brooke. Yeah, I think you just need to kind of get your priorities straight, Brooke. It's like having a favourite child. We've all got one, right? Just send them all to us. Send them all to us. Yeah. No, that's so true. That's such a true. That's such a true. Very true, Brooke. We have a greatest run ever this week, and it's from Emma Sampson. And she writes, I've been quietly waiting for my greatest run ever to happen, but when it finally did, I procrastinated about sending it in. Who wants to hear from a 40-year-old mum, I figured? Well, a bunch of 40-year-old dads and other human beings. Um, While listening to the pre-Christmas episode during a training run up Mount Oxford and hearing you had run out of the best part of the show, I took heed and decided to send mine in. My first ever hill and competition was the Teacup Valley Ultra at in 2020, I was a flat runner and thought stupidly that my fitness would be fine, even after I got to the start and figured out from the view that the climb lay the, figured out from the view of the climb that lay ahead. I feel that trial running is a lot like childbirth. When you're in the depths of it, you swear you'll never do it again. And yet, one year later, after a few races in between, here I was back at the start, having signed up to the next size race, the Piglet. It was a wet morning, and I'd been placed in the first wave. Awesome. Let's get out there, I thought. I knew headphones were discouraged, and I decided to leave my behind and get the full experience. We set off at a good pace, 
and I soon slotted into my speed of runners as I made my way up the first climb while eating some licorice in the vain hope that it would help lift my blood pressure that was currently somewhere around my ankles. I was told off by one of those wiry old fellas that looked like they'd been doing it for centuries. You know the type. You should not be eating this early in the race, he said sharply. Normally a comment like this would make me question and doubt myself, but not today. I was here for the adventure. So... When I could pass, I smiled and wished him well. After a few laughs, his name's probably Merv, after a few laughs with some ladies on the hill about how fit we sounded, I reached the top and was out of the trees. The rain was still coming down, and I imagine on a good day the view would have been amazing. It was around the halfway mark when a rather speedy chap passed me. I soon became aware I was being passed by someone in wave two. I didn't care. I'm not the speediest of runners. After having a laugh with each other about how I better pull my finger out and get moving, he was gone. Once reaching the bottom of a very curly, wet clay track, I could hear a dog barking. That's a bit odd, I thought, but as I got closer, there they were. Is that Badger? I asked. Yep, replied the man who stood nearby. So you must be Rocky, I replied with a grin. After thanking him for my jacket that I had purchased about two weeks earlier, I carried on singing the further, faster jingle. It's the bane of that, it's the bane of that man's life. Uh, now, I had been told about a steep climb before the end of this race that involved the rope ladder. When I finally reached it, I put my head down and dug deep. Thank goodness for the support snickers from my bestie and coach Kim, which had without doubt the best fuel ever. On the way up, I got chatting to a lady about the same age as myself. Once we reached the top... Now two good mates beaming about slaying the final beast. It was a nice downhill, two kilometres to the finish. We discussed our lives, families, running, and even got a photo together at the end. I'm sure the day was made better by the weather. Everyone had a smile on their face, even though it was raining. It was not cold, and it was so much fun in the mud. I knew when I, com- I, knew when I compete, I'll probably not place. I'm not blessed with a height... I'm not blessed on the height front for a start. Also, when I was 19, after a good dose of flu, I developed pneumonia in both lungs and my trachea. After two hospitals, a miracle life-saving machine called ECMO, wow, uh, chest drains, tracheostomy, and trying to kick the bucket a few times in a team of amazing surgeons and nurses that were not going to let me, I was finally roused out of my medically-induced two-week nap and released home after four weeks or so. It took a long time to recover. Even now, the lasting effects makes hills pretty hard work. Salute. Uh, yeah. The best part about returning home from races is a proud husband and my three boys who are always pumped to hear how far I have run that day. But I know also how lucky I am just to be able to. Emma. Wow, Emma. Amazing. ECMO's, no, ECMO's that, that basically yeah. take the blood out of you, yeah. oxygenate it, and put it back yeah. into you. So they're basically a heart. Yeah, like a lung. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Emma, that was amazing. And I don't know what was putting you off sending it in because we all love hearing those stories. You had a great story. She also has a little bit here. She says she's watching out for Pukiko all the time. Oh, absolutely. Good. Yeah. Good move. You're, v- you're obviously right. very sensible, Emma. That's right. <laughs> Watch out for those Pukikos. Um, the rest of you, send them in. Uh, and yeah. You can read them on our website, and people love hearing them on the show, so send them in. Absolutely. Our guest. Returning champion Adam Keane, head honcho of Aerobic Edge Coaching. He's a stalwart of the Aotearoa running scene, whether he's handing out tequila on the Kepler, smashing out a last person standing at the at the Revenant, or indeed winning the Aotearoa Virtual Backyard in 2020 with 35 laps and 234.5 kilometres. Adam... I mean, he's as recognisable for his laid-back nature as he is for his running talent and his frequent calls to people to be more savage. Um, he's now in the position of having coached athletes that hold the current Te Araroa FKT and hopefully the world record for the fastest run 
across Aotearoa. This is an amazing chat. Um, he came through for us. He came, in his, came off his holiday in his yurt to speak to us. So please enjoy this conversation with Adam Key. Radio. Well, we've got a couple of firsts this week. Uh, first yurt-based interview and first Lake Hawea-based interview. But second interview with the mighty Adam Keane. Adam, kia ora. Welcome back to Church Church Radio. How are you doing? Yeah, doing good, fellas. How are you? We're good. Well, clinging on sanity by fingertips, really, but, you know, doing, doing yeah. the best that anyone... Yeah, what's next, eh? What's yeah, next? Yeah, bring it on. <laughs> yeah, locusts, I reckon. Um, yeah. <laughs> you, you're on holiday. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of on holiday, just a little break. It's been a busy few weeks, so but a chill time, yeah. What does a holiday for Adam Keane involve? Uh, well, I've just just arrived here, got my 5K in, which uh, when you're on holiday and you're on a 5K streak, uh, you're like, damn it, did that 5K in somehow. So pretty cruisy though, bit of a walk and then a swim. So Nice. Um, so, and now, now I get to talk to you guys. So that's why cold beer and just, you know, chill out with the boys from Auckland. <laughs> yeah, that's Hey, so tell me about your streak. How long's your streak, how long's your running streak been, or your your movement streak? streak? Uh, I think it's been about four or five months. Wow. Yeah. What's and what's, so that's a, what's your minimum? Five uh, k of running. Five k. No, I've like walked today. Yeah. So yeah, pretty cruisy. Cool. Not too cool. stressed about it, you know. Just if I've done a big race or something, then it's yeah. The next day's a five k walk. It's frisbee goal for you know whatever works yeah so keep it pretty cruisy awesome. it's nice yeah. to have that baseline of movement hey like even if you're you're resting it's something day. positive i think it's something you know it's something positive for the future like i've got to be good to go for at least 5k you know <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely so, it's good yeah it's good to have something in the pipeline i think um yeah it's a good way to flush you know, have a bit of recovery as well after a race, even if it's just a 5K walk. Just um, keep things ticking over. So seems to be going pretty good so far. Just see how we can go. Maybe do a year. Yeah. Maybe just keep keep going. Yeah. Yeah. I was yeah. I was I was a I was an anti walker. I couldn't. I just couldn't. I mean, I you know respect people who could do it, but I just I could never walk. Could never see the point. But yeah. But this year. Um, I don't know why, especially in recovery, actually. Yeah. Just, just getting yep. out for a walk is actually, I, I'm enjoying it. I don't know. Don't know what's happening to me. Yeah. Well, and everyone can walk as well, right? So if mm. you, you know, family or, you know, if you're, if you're with someone, not everyone's going to want to go for a run, but you know, everyone can do that 5k walk with you. So yeah, true. Yeah. In terms of getting people to move and just getting something in the bank, then yeah, I think it's great. Mm. If it works for, for you, then. Yeah, give it a nudge. Yeah, I was just saying to Eugene, I went and we were talking about mindset. We were talking about sort of that uncertainty and, and, and planning. Yep. And one of the things that's really been, I've had a little bit of I've my first little bit of time off too. So I've been on holiday as well um, and been running in the mornings and walking in the afternoon or hiking with the dog in the afternoons yep. in the forest. And it's such a nice change. It's a nice change. It's recovery and it's time on feet too. It, 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 it puts, you know, it's steps in the bank. It's it's learning how to. And I I'm a terrible. I mean, I'm not that flash a runner, but I mean, I'm worse a walker. You know, that learning to kind of walk uphill or pace yourself. It's it really kind of 
it's it's very useful. Hey. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, I think um, yeah, the reality is for a lot of us doing these long ultras, they you know parts of them are pretty slow. So you know, part of the training is is getting those just getting that time on feet. You know, it doesn't have to be running. So mm. um, yeah, I mean, let's face it, like the revenant's not not much of a run so <laughs> well let's start i mean let's start there you i mean congratulations um you know you're making a habit of this last person standing gig but uh not 34 or however many laps 235 kilometers you went at the at, at the bigs but th- three loops or you started your third loop um yep. how, how did the revenant compare to something like the relapse uh, yeah, I mean, it's quite a different beast. So obviously you've got with, with the backyard, you've got quite a bit, lot of support. Um, you can have a dedicated crew person to, to sort everything out for you so that you can, you know, just focus on, on getting the loop done. Whereas the Revenant, you just, you're really out there just on your own. So, um, you're carrying everything you've got. You, you know, in my case, everything was kind of bursting out of the seams you know, 12 to 15 hours worth of food and, and drink and stuff. So, yeah, quite a bit different in that respect. So, um, whereas maybe the backyard, it's it's reasonably slow and you can kind of organise things on the fly. You can get people to go and grab your stuff from the shop or or whatever you need to do. Um, the Revenant, yeah, you don't have that that luxury. If, mm. if you haven't got it, then, yeah, that's it. You know, and there's, and there's not even any aid at the at the ski hut either. So um, people can't help you if, even if, if they wanted to. So, um, yeah, you literally, I think they they sort of mandate a 70-litre um, bin that you have and you have everything you need in there. So wow. if you're going to go the 60 hours or if you're going to go under the 60-hour cutoff, then your fuel and uh, hydration electrolytes, that's all in that um, bin that you've got. So... Yeah, if it's not there, if you if you don't have a head torch or <laughs> uh, you're not liking the shoes you've got and you didn't pack any other ones, then yeah, there's there's nothing else coming. <laughs> wow. Yeah, hopefully you packed it. You know. And they um, were really, st- but you could people can talk to you in between loops. Hey, but there's no actual physical contact at all. Like, uh, yeah, I mean they can they can talk. They can't give you advice. They can. I think you know loved ones and that you can get a hug and stuff like that. Right. Um, but you can't, I mean, the, the obvious one they say is if you're, if you're running out and you haven't got your head torch, which, you know, hopefully you're not going to do that. But if, if someone says, hey, you know, maybe you need to take that, then that's supposed to be a DQ. Right. Um, even if you had nothing to do with it, you, you know, you might have ran back and got your torch or, or whatever. But, um, yeah, he's like Scott's trying to kind of mimic the God's own kind of um, adventure racing scenario, which is which is cool, you know. It's just a different quirk on, um, you know, what's an ultra run, but yeah, it just sort of adds that element and makes it a little bit more exciting, and um, yeah, makes it quite cool. So mm. there's all, all those things that he does, which um, yeah, make it quite a unique event, which is which is pretty exciting. And yeah, I think most people that go to it, it sort of come away thinking, wow, that was. You know, they they might not have um, finished the course or whatever, but they had a great adventure. So, so it's cool in, in that respect. I think. Mm. Uh, how was the nav for you? 
Uh, yeah, it's been a while. Like, I don't do a lot of NAV these days. I used to do a bit um, back in the Army days, but just because of the races I do, um, backyard, Northburn, that sort of thing, there's not, like, a lot of NAV required, and I don't, I don't do a lot of that personally, but I used to do a fair bit, so it's not too bad, and the, the NAV's not that bad on the course. Um, but it, it definitely helps if you're in that lead group. Um, cause there's a lot of tracks and kind of full drive tracks and stuff that you can follow if you know about them. So, um, yeah, it does sort of help, but you do need to have pretty good nav as well. Good, um, sort of map to ground and just knowing where you are generally. So, um, that does help. But in saying that, uh, Glenn Sutton was there for a couple of loops and, you know, I don't think he knew which way was north. So, um, <laughs> you know, he just he just churned out a couple of loops with us. So, it's yeah, you can get stream. by. Yeah, you right. can get by. You know, if you've got, you know, if you if you're strong. So, um, yeah. but I think a, a lot of people figured that out this year. That yeah, if they weren't sort of there in the first couple of hours with with us, then they've got to work all that stuff out. They've got to do a lot more nav than. Um, maybe we were doing because we'd been there before or, you know, we had a couple of guys there that had done done a couple of revenants, so they had a pretty good handle on that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, sometimes if you can suffer for the first couple of hours and just keep up, that will help on that first loop. Right. Because uh, given given the cutoff, the time cutoff and stuff, you kind of don't have a lot of time to be, you know, doing sort of any anything that's too complex. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, we did have uh, Chris Sanson with us, who he's a pretty quick, quick runner, and I think he, yeah, he sort of he put that hard work in to stick with us um, on that, you know, which to him is like quite rough terrain. So I think he he put in put in some effort to try and figure out that first loop. Um, but yeah, I think he sort of found it found it a bit of a struggle as well, just being so much vertical and such rough terrain. So. Mm. You know, but you've got to have some sort of strategy and yeah, that's you know, sometimes you've got to push it at the start just to yeah. just to hang in there. Yeah. So And what was it that I mean what was it that did you in? Uh I think it was a sleep for all of us. Um so I think when Ian did it last year, I think his because we started at four in the morning last year. Uh, you're looking at, so for him, I think he was looking at two nights and three days. And I think for us, we started at sort of nine o'clock at night. So a couple of hours after the briefing. So we were looking at three nights and two days. So I think, um, that kind of puts you on the back foot a little bit at the start. Because when Um, you, you must've woken up, you know, I mean, you'd had a whole day awake as well, hadn't you? So it's not just that. You've got the nights. Yeah, that yeah, up. exactly. You've got that whole yep. day. Yeah. Yeah. So you kind of got ten hours in the bank already, which is not not great. Um, personally, I I think I woke up at three in the morning, um, and then I had my five k streak. So I I had an inkling that he was going to start the race Thursday night, which maybe I should have gone with that hunch, but I thought I'm probably not going to go back to sleep now. It's three a.m. and so I, I went and did my five k and went back to bed and. And got up at eight, so that wasn't too bad. I still got, still got my sleep in, but like you say, you're already up um, ten or so hours before you're in. So I think, yeah, I think uh, I sort of maybe tapped out about the thirty hour mark, but that's 
yeah, sort of 40 hours of being awake. So um, I, I was falling asleep after checkpoint two. Um, I think I slept in the tub for maybe half an hour and then woke up. And then it, it didn't really help. I was kind of sleepwalking after that. So, um, yeah, sort of five hours later I had to um, – I was stumbling kind of on reasonably easy, easy terrain. So I thought, yeah, five hours of sleepwalking is probably enough. It's time to go and let everyone know that we can have a barbecue and some beers, you know, because yeah. they're, they're, they're all just waiting on me, which is which is quite a unique thing as well. You're out – you sort of dictating the, the whole weekend. Yeah. Um, which is an interesting thing to get your head around. But yeah. Yeah. Late to yeah, your own party. Cool. Um, yeah, it's good fun. It's great. It's, it's awesome out there. It's, it looks it. It, it definitely looks it. Until you start falling asleep. And, then it's, <laughs> and I guess yeah. that's the thing, isn't it? It adds that level of, you know, a lot of the races that we do, and you think about a backyard ultra, say, okay, you're going to get tired or yeah. whatever, but yep. end of the day, there's six point whatever it is, six and change, and you're back. You, you know, you're yeah. out in the middle of nowhere, Yep. No one, you know, especially in your case, you're by yourself. That adds a real yep. element of um, of risk. Yeah, no, I'm like I take my hat off to those boys um, that have done it, uh, Louis and Angus, Angus. Sean and um, Ian. Um, yeah, because it's it, it's a big ask, and and when I was on my own and I was I'd done checkpoint two, you are like part of like, like you say the backyards this you know, 6.7K loop and and you do like part of ultra running is like you have that hope, right? And like the hope with the backyard is like, oh, I'm going to get to the, get to the end of that loop and then maybe someone's dropped out or maybe we're a little bit closer to the finish. Um, whereas the Revenant, yeah, I'm on my own. Okay, I'm going to go to checkpoint three. That's, that's probably not too bad. But then I'm going to checkpoint four, which is down the bottom of the valley. And so if I drop at checkpoint four, I've got to get back out and I've got to, I've got to go back up that hill. So there's not like, you know, and, and then I've got a long way. To, if I decide to keep going, I've got a long way to go, right? And checkpoint five is back up the hill. So like you're trying to find some hope, but you're sort of racking your brain. But I don't know. It pays not to think too much ahead. Yeah. You know, just tick off one checkpoint um, at a time. But yeah, your mind does start to wander and, yeah, it can be quite tricky. So, yeah, take my hat off to those boys. Like, I think Ian was out there on his own for maybe 30 hours last mm. oh, maybe 25 hours last year. Um, so, yeah, it's a it's a real grind, I think, after that 30-hour mark. Um, it's a long yeah. time. That's a long time. It's a long time, man. It's a and long... everyone's there. There's 50 people waiting at the ski hut. Yeah, yeah. right. And as soon as you pull, as soon as you walk back in, um, that's it. It's let's go to the wall shed and have beers and the barbecue and you know the race is over. So <laughs> it's pretty cool. <laughs> it's it's uh, yeah. Like I mean, I walked back into the they had a uh, yurt thing set up there and they they're all having beers, a couple of beers there. Um, Steve and Chris and Andreas and that and uh, yeah, they don't really know. Like they have a rough idea where I am, but. You know, I kind of like open the door with my my poles, and yeah, they're just like, "Oh, sweet, that's it, it's over." <laughs> <laughs> you know, grab grab a beer. You know, um, yeah, it's cool. It's uh, it's good fun. I recommend it to anyone. Yeah. Um, even yeah, if you just want an adventure, 
um, something a bit different. And I, for some people, it's just, you know, chip away at it for a couple of years and, you know, maybe it's do one loop successfully, maybe it's do two loops, maybe it's get onto the third loop. Um, maybe you want to go and, you know, you're try, trying to do the whole hog. I think you should go into it trying to do trying to do the whole hog, trying to go as far as you can. You should um, – I don't think it matters what the event is. You should give it the respect and you should try mm. and – you've got to go all in. Mm. Um, I think that's an important thing uh, for, you know, for the organisers and all the people that put the work into these events, and then you should go and um, definitely give it your all. Um, but, yeah, that's that's going to look different for everyone. So, mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah, but I think, yeah, it's well worth people's time if they're interested in – and something that's a bit different, mm. and and it's a really cool country. And um, going up and down the Nokomai, which is literally a river run, um, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. And and seeing people out on course, and everyone's in all different sorts of states. It's it's uh, it's pretty special. Mm. And and just the work that Scott and uh, um, Tom and the organisers put into it uh, with all the all the historical stuff and the cultural mm. stuff. It's yeah, it's awesome, mate. Yeah, yeah, it's a real. Yeah, looks like a real experience as much as a run. Um, oh yeah, in that e- whole, yeah. Whole even time. like the spectators just at the start yeah. and the briefing, and um, it's a lot of it's like you know, smoke and mirrors to kind of, kind of work you up and put you off and stuff. So you've got to, yeah, you know, I think embrace it, but yeah, you're also there to yeah, to, to run a run an ultra as well. So are you are you back <laughs> next year? Uh, probably. Yeah. <laughs> and what do you, what do you think it would take to complete it? I mean, partly it's kind of out of your hands, like things, things like decision around when to start it is a big factor. So, yeah. so, what yeah, do you, so that, how, how does that work for you training for something like this, knowing that there's going to be things that are, are out of your control? Yeah, totally. And it, it's the same with the weather as well, right? Because the weather can play quite a big part there um, as well. So you've got the weather, you've got the how he sets the checkpoints in the course and that start time. And he's going to base that off, you know, okay, what happened last year? You know, someone finished last year, let's maybe change the start time. and Because he's got to keep it right on the edge, right? He's got to keep it where maybe we have one person finish and then maybe we have no people finish. Like that's that's the perfect thing to do, right? Like, yeah. It's it's easy to have a race where lots of people finish. It's easy to have a race where no one finishes. Yeah, but he needs it to be just on the edge. Yeah, right. So, um, and sure yeah, as eggs, so eggs, everyone's going to take like Ian's say or uh, when Sean and Angus and Louis finish, they're going to dissect yep. what happened. Or Ian Evans has finished. People are going to go, oh, all right. So he did this at this point and this at this point, and then he had a Snickers yep. bar here and he did this. So the easiest thing to do as a race organizer is put the start four hours back exactly right yeah it's <laughs> like it's tricky to change checkpoints it's pretty easy to change a start time mm. Which um, is gonna... yeah so he's got to do that sort of stuff so that's cool um but yeah like in terms of myself yeah i learned like quite a lot like um i think you've spoke about it before matt like at riverhead you can see like the personalities you know of of people racing and and you see me and i'm kind of I've got a lot of things organized, but then I also sort of flying by the seat of my pants when it comes to the, you know, the, the final laps of a riverhead or whatever. Um, and just doing whatever I can to stay in the game. Um, but 
yeah, for something like the Revenant, I've kind of realized you've got to have everything super dialed for um, that that sort of after, post sort of 30 hour mark uh, when your brain's sort of starting to get scrambled and fried. So um, yeah, it's just not good enough to have have kind of like this bin that's maybe not as organized as it could be or with with the revenant you don't have a you don't have a watch or anything like that you're not allowed electronics Mm -hmm. so you do get time on the course say maybe every fourth checkpoint and there is a watch at the ski hut um but that is kind of like you'll get the time at the ski hut then you'll go to checkpoint one and then that might be an hour and a half later. So you might be asking someone that's coming past, oh, what was the time, you know what I mean? Like back at the ski hut. So it's in the it's in the back of your brain, like where it's all sort of fuzzy and a bit scrambled. So I think personally, you've got to have a lot of that stuff written down. And then when he gives you that start time of say 9.45, you've got to go to your race plan and go, okay, how does this affect you know, our, our times, like what yeah. time will we finish loop one? Right. And Yeah. Right. So you've got to like, even if you've only got a small window of time, you've got that two hours before race start, you can go, oh, okay, well, if it's going to take us 12 hours, you know, we're going to, it's going to die in the morning. Yeah. Right. So, so you can write that down and then when your brain's a bit fried, you can go, okay, we're going to be go- like for when I went out on loop three and it's one thirty in the morning, I can go. Okay, this is going to be the crux of the race, so I need to, I need to buckle in and and lock things up for the next five hours because this is gonna this is gonna be a rough ride till the sun comes up. So, you know, let's let's neck that V or whatever and um, have some caffeine and and let's get through this. And I'm going to be going down into no man's land, um, you know, probably on my own. So you could kind of work that stuff out. And I think I think that's going to be important because try, trying to work it out with your brain a bit scrambled, it's yeah, it gets too hard, and then you're maybe just going to you maybe just going to like fall off the wagon or go to sleep or whatever. Totally. So I mean, it's bad enough yeah. in a in a kind of a normal ultra, let alone where you're you're forty forty hours deep in terms of sleep deprivation. Yeah, trying yeah. to figure out times, yeah. you know. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Again. Yeah, it can be bad enough at like Northburn or or whatever. Yeah. Um. So I think. Yeah, and when you look at like the personalities that have done it, like Louis, for instance, like super dialed, super organized. Plus, he's obviously like, you know, great on the hills and stuff. So he's got that extra kind of gear for, um, for climbing and stuff like that. So that sort of helps. And then, so I think maybe like take a little bit of, you know, his kind of organizational skills for, for being out on course. And then I maybe like look at someone like Sean Collins, who's you, I haven't really raced with him too much, but when you talk to him, he's super relaxed, right? So I can imagine him going into say loop three, just and nothing's changed. He's just, yeah, man, I'm just like going to checkpoint three, you know, like it's so just being kind of relaxed but organized, uh-huh. I think, and just not overthinking it. So I think that those, you know, there are like personality traits that you can maybe bring into it and try and try and hone a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's a tough one. It's, uh, a, <laughs> it's toughy. Tough Understatement of the year. Look, speaking of tough races, I mean, you were, you were down at Naseby at the weekend. How was yeah. that? Mm. It was hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what are we talking, uh, like tw- 28, 29 degrees? 
Yeah, somewhere around there. Um, yeah, glad I wasn't racing. I mean, it's it's usually August, so it's usually quite cold. Um, but yeah, it's normally blue skies. It's just blue skies this year. It was yeah, like you say, like late twenties um, temperature plus New Zealand's first two hundred mile race. Yeah, um, which I I think yeah, like like a lot of races these days, it's they had massive massive numbers for August last year. Uh, and then unfortunately that got cancelled. So I think, um, yeah, the numbers are kind of all over the place. Uh, the weekend just gone. So I think they had five in the 200 miler. Um, but yeah, pretty hot. Uh, and yeah, a lot of people doing long distances. So 100 miles, 200K. There's also 100K, 50K there. Yeah. Um, as well. But yeah, like, yeah, in terms of the heat, definitely when you're out there for, for so long, then can start to sort of sort of bear down on people a bit mm. um but for, i think for most people going those distances they're kind of hopefully looking after themselves um you, well you just have to but, you just have to otherwise you, yeah it's game over isn't it um what i was, think so yeah what yeah. was what was some of the most impressive performances to you for the weekend i mean it's hard to hard to pick out you know particular yeah. runners but but there was some pretty impressive performances what what were your favorites uh there was um the, well i mean the just go for the big daddy and uh brian mccorkendale yeah. was it 81 hours uh yeah i mean outrageous kind of gutted that i didn't get to see him finish um but yeah i mean that's like <sighs> cut off is Saturday 6 p.m. And so they said to him, you know, that's it, mate. You, I don't know what he was, 70K short. And, yeah, I think he just said, well, that's, I'll just keep going. So, yeah, they just made it clear to him that that was like the race was over and they weren't <laughs> there to support him or anything and his, yeah. his support crew could do whatever they wanted. Um, yeah, and he just kept trucking through the night. So... Uh, and I think he came through the prize giving. So the, I think for the first time they had the prize giving on course the next day, Sunday morning, nine o'clock. And uh, yeah, he came trucking through nine o'clock with, I think he had about 25k to go. And it was, but it's not just 25k at that point. It's nah. it's like nine or 10 hours. So <laughs> it's like half a day. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, that was, that's pretty hard to, Pretty hard to top. I mean, Andy Smith did, I don't know what he did, 55 hours for 200 miles, and he looked great. Yeah. He, he looked amazing. He, um, he looked like he wasn't even running. He looked like he wasn't even running. Do you know, oh, like, in terms of kind of running, running get up, he looked like he was, like, just there. You couldn't yeah, pick yeah, him out. Yeah, he fine. I, think, I don't know yeah. what he did. He, like, changed his sunglasses, changed his top, and he looked good to go. He looked fresh. And he had time to do um, another lap or something, didn't he? He was, like, well under the cutoff. I'm not too sure if he tried to keep to do another one. I don't, oh, know no, no, I don't he think he did, but I think he could have. Right. That's the point he's point of making is, you know, he he comfortably went under the cutoff. It was yeah. great performance. Yeah. So that's yeah. Yes. I said to him that he might be getting a um, call up from Dirt Church, and he's his his words were, "I would rather fucking run 200 miles." <laughs> <laughs> but but you know he just doesn't like talking about himself. So, um, so you know. He's, he's, you know, he keeps his own counsel. That that guy, you know. Hey, look, so. that's fine. We 
<laughs> you guys can beat that out. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. Sweet um, um, anyway, that was a direct quote from Andy Smith. So, <laughs> well, and then he went and ran two hundred miles. So there we go. You know, that's right. You know, he proved hey, his we, own hypothesis. We had to motivate people. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Exactly. Yeah. It, 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 yeah, so exactly. We'll, we'll actually we'll take that win because uh, <laughs> who, you know, the threat of coming and yeah. talking to us. Hey, what's Glenn Sutton up to? Oh yeah, what is Glenn Sutton ever up to? No one Can you ever break knows. It? I watched the video. I watched it with the sound. You I mean, I had it. a bit of a, I had a bit of a busy yeah. weekend. I watched it with the sound on. I still couldn't work out what he's doing. So, okay, yeah, um, yeah. So Glenn Sutton. Well, he was with us last weekend or the weekend before at Revenant. Yep, and he just came and like Glenn has a fairly set structure to the year. I think he does. He, go, he usually goes and does ultra easy. I usually pass him at the bottom of Roy's after he's done a fast 30K and he just gives me a wave and says, you know, have a good day. And and you kind of know, okay, I'm going to beat Glenn for once here, you know. But if you turn up at Northburn and Glenn's there or you turn up at Naseby, uh, which he goes there every year, you know what I mean? He doesn't, which is phenomenal. I think he's done all of those races. I think he's done every Northburn. Yeah. Um, and if you've ever been to Northburn, you know that, um, it's maybe not a race you want to do more than once or twice, but um, Glenn goes there every year. So, yeah, he's kind of a habit, a creature, a creature of habit. But um, yeah, so he he did the revenant with us, did a couple of loops, decided you know that's enough, um, I'm done, and you're just like okay, cool. And then yeah, he turns up. I think he's on holiday, and then he did 80k just running with people at Naseby. Uh, and then I was talking to him on the, uh, Friday morning at 10.30 and I think he'd done a couple of laps and he said, yeah, I'm going to go to Wanaka at 11 o'clock for ultra easy. And so about 10 to 11, I said to him, oh, you'll be off then. And he said, oh no, 11 tonight. (laughs) And I... (laughs) I said, well, what are you up to today? Like, you're going to, you might have to get some sleep and stuff. And he said, oh, I slept last night for five hours. <laughs> and he reasonable. said, I'm just going to run with people at Naseby today. And I said, okay. And then, so by the time I got to 10.30 at night, he had done 80K. And then, yeah, lifted about 11.30 for the start line. And so what time does Ultra Easy start? Ultra Easy starts at 3 a.m. Right. So 100K loop, starting in Luggett, goes through Wanaka, up over um, Roy's Peak and Mount Alpha, down into Cadrona Valley, up to Snow Farm, and then across um, to Mount Pisa and back down to Luggett. It's the hottest, most exposed, most beautiful, brutal race, 100K race pretty much anywhere in the world. You need to go there, but it's going to kick your butt. Yeah. And I think probably had a 40 to 50% DNF rate. Mm. Um, yeah, and Glenn just went and knocked it out. He he wasn't last. Was it 18 uh, hours or something, didn't he, I think? Yeah, he didn't DNF. Yeah. He was uh, about 18 and a half hours or something. Uh, so, Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. He, you know, he had a good taper. Only the 80K the day before. That's right. And what, only two, two loops at Revenant yeah. the Saturday before. So, you know, yeah. take, it's good to take it easy. I was glad easy. to see a picture of him in front of the lake afterwards saying time for sleep and some recovery, you know, and I thought, well, that's that's a sensible thing to do. Yeah. You know? 20 minutes before driving back. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah. But so yeah, just, I mean, uh, he's 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 uh, he's made a different stuff. He's, he's built differently, isn't he? There's something. He's, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know how how his body don't, puts up. Don't with use it. him as a good example of what to do. No, no. no. Well, no. Uh, and that's the thing, isn't it? Like, and you, I guess yourself as a coach, like if someone came to you who wasn't, and we can get onto that because you know a couple of people have come to you with some quite lofty lofty goals. Said, hey, look, I want to do this. Yeah, but. It seems quite count. You'd be like that's a counterintuitive approach. Backslash. What do you think you're doing? You know, chance of chance of success minimal. How do people manage themselves in that heat? Because the thing is, the heat has just been a factor of all these races. Yep. As a coach and as an experienced athlete, I mean, how? What are the? What do you say to people to manage themselves during that heat? Yeah. Um, yeah, so it, like it's an important topic, right? Like this month, next month, um, and it, you know, we all we all love the sport, and we all love getting out there and having a good time, and and running, and and meeting people, and, and covering, you know, some pretty cool terrain and stuff. But you know, the the serious side is that you do have to look after yourself, right? And I think, um, like for me personally, I've always, if I've ever gone out into the back country or whatever, I've always said it's up to me to get myself back right so so regardless of whether you've got a plb or whether you've you know got some emergency plans in place you, i think your mindset should be you're responsible to get yourself back you know you, you can set off a plb and and that's all good and you get rescued pretty much guaranteed to get rescued but there could be bad weather um helicopters go down so you're taking you know, you're taking that responsibility off yourself into other people. So it's just, it's not a given that you should just be going, you know, and sort of relying on that backup. You're, I think personally for me, and I think maybe for a lot of people, the mindset should be you get yourself out. And I think maybe it's the same for races. You, you, you do have that support in races and you do have that luxury of aid and you do have people on course that are going to come across you. But probably first and foremost is that you finish or you get yourself off the course if something happens, okay, there's going to be certain things in place that are, you know, hopefully going to be all good. Um, and saying all of that, your your training is going to be the the number one thing that's going to help, right, to get you through, say, a hot day at Ultra Easy or uh, Naseby on the weekend. So you need to kind of mimic what's going to come up. Ultra Easy is always hot. Uh, I did it in 2018. It was it was the hottest ever recorded temperature in Wanaka that day. It was like thirty five point two degrees or something, and it was unrelenting. It was when you you I was I'm I'm usually out there for about thirteen and a half hours, and I thought when I got to the top of Mount Pisa and I'm going down to lug it for some reason I thought as I go down it's going to get cooler. As I went down it just got hotter and it was like a fan bake oven. And there's nowhere to go. For a lot of us that live around central Otago, we're pretty lucky. We're, that's pretty normal. But there's a few things you can do. Every time there's cold water source, you get in it and you you take 60 seconds. And people might think in a race, oh, I, I, I'm not going to take that time. I'm not going to cool off. But trust me, you t- it takes me 60 seconds to get into a lake, even if I take my shoes off put my, you know, if I don't want to get my socks wet or whatever, that probably takes me about 60 seconds. I get fully immersed. I get out, put my shoes back on. 
running back down the hill, you will make that 60 seconds up, I guarantee you, in the next 10 minutes because you'll be going way better, right? And the, the risk-reward is if you start doing the funky chicken because you start overheating, <laughs> yeah. you'll lose time like that. You're out. It's, yeah. it's a game over. And I've I've run past people on the ultra easy course in the last ten k, and they're, you know, they're they're on the way out. So, yeah, you gotta you gotta mimic things in training that you can, like, um, trying to run in those conditions and something like ultra easy. It's exposed, right? There's no trees on course, so you need to, you know, what can you do? How can you adjust your pace for for the temperature? So you don't want to be um, pulling all the levers at once, right? You don't want to be going, oh, I'm going to break a record today. I'm going to run the f- as fast as I can. If it's 35 degrees, that's not a, it's not a good day for that, right? So if you, the, the day before, if you're looking at your race and you're looking at the temperature and it's going to be a hot one, maybe that's not on the cards tomorrow. You know, maybe your goal is to, to finish the race and maybe, you know, do as best as you can, but you're probably not going to be breaking any records, right? So you've got to be aware of those levers that you can pull. And one of those levers is your effort, your effort and your pace. And you might have to dial that back a notch because the heat is going to already make you work harder, right? So so start, like, start thinking about different things you can do. Like what can you do with your clothing? Can you wear like a long sleeve top? Can you wear... If you see me at Revenant, I might not look the greatest, but I've got one of those Legionnaire caps that covers covers my whole face, covers my neck. Um, and you've got to start thinking about doing things like that. Because, um, yeah, once once you lose it, once you start doing the funky chicken, then, yeah, yeah, you're a liability and, and someone's got to look after you. So mm-hmm. um, It's a little talk. We all talk about hypothermia, right? Especially yep. in... You know, we think about the bush in New Zealand, we think about hypothermia, but hyperthermia, I mean, that's... Oh, it's terrifying. It's no good. Yeah, you know, if you've, and, if and you've seen someone like time. that. Yeah. Yeah, if you've seen someone like that, it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty scary stuff. Um, it feels like it's even more germane at the moment talking about this sort of stuff because I guess as this comes to air on the Wednesday, we're looking at, you know, the elephant in the room as we've gone into the red setting Omicrons here. Yep. big races you know we're so lucky that Auckland Marathon got off Naseby you know ultra easy Revenant um, Northburn will still go ahead hopefully but you know I, we don't know the status of a big race like Tarawera but you know it's 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 a huge it's a huge undertaking it's looking kind of you know who knows like what? it's not on mm. the like it's not going to fly um, and people yeah. are going to be using the opportunity perhaps to put that training to good and, you know, maybe getting after some FKTs or something like that. So yep. what would you, I mean, that's really good to think about, eh, that heat sort of stuff, because even at a race like Tarawera, you see people, like we were on the start and finish line and Eugene was out on the course and people were destroyed when they were coming over. Even a race, you know, you don't associate that necessarily with being such a hot race, but it was so hot yep. that year and people were just wrecked when they were coming over the finish line. Yeah, I think like in some in some ways you've got to prepare for the worst, right? Like, and mm. it's you know if it's January, February, like, and if you're doing something that's like you don't want to do too many things that are extreme, you know what I mean? Like, if you're running a hundred mile race, 
you know, it's not the time to start testing a whole lot of other things, yeah. right? Like dramatically changing your diet or trying to run that hundred miles really quick on a hot day. Like don't, you know, like the one extreme thing is running a hundred miles, right? Like let's not bring in a bunch of other, mm. you know what I mean? Like throwing back 30 gels or something when you don't really eat that many gels, right? So now you're doing something extreme like running a hundred miles, but you're also doing a gel eating contest um, in the heat. Let's oh. like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. let's try and juggle some knives some more reality yeah. to what you're doing. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I read Anton like, Krupitschka's blog and that's what he used to do. So therefore, <laughs> that's yeah. what I'm going to do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like how, you know, what's, What's your effort and your intensity and, mm, mm. and that sort of thing? You know, like the gun goes off, everyone takes off. Okay, but I've never run 100 miles before. It's going to be hot. You know, like the, the people that are good at ultra running, a lot, a lot of the people that are at the front that are good at ultra running are good at making those adjustments. They're, they're good at, you know, figuring out their pace on the fly and adjusting it. Or like, okay, here's a hilly section. I'm going to hammer this section, then I'm going to recover on the down. You know, certain things like that, people at the front of the pack are quite good at. Um, or they've just like got really strong constitutions, right? And they can handle the 30 gels or they can handle the heat, you know, that sort of thing. For the majority of us, you've got to kind of maybe hack your way through and you do need to jump on the lake. You know, yeah. if there's a lake there, you need to get in it. If there's a stream you know, you need to soak your hat, you need to soak your top. That's what we're doing at the Revenant. Like, um, it's so hot that you're doing that every few hours to the point where it's, you know, 30 degrees and you're in the stream for a couple of minutes that I was getting out of the stream and running along the Welcome Rock Trail and I was cold. But I knew that's that's how you do it. You know, there's, there's no point in overheating. Uh. Like, yeah. yeah. And then it's just, yeah, keeping up your electrolytes and your fuel. Um, yeah. And just being aware of that stuff and practicing it in your training. Yeah. So, so yeah, dialing that stuff in in your training specific to your race. What's the, what's um, the mentality or what are the things you should be thinking about? Um, I think as Matt alluded to, is if if your race is cancelled and you go, well, stuff it, I'm going to go and do, you know, chase, maybe not an FKT even, but just chase a big hairy goal that I've been after. So it's not a race. You don't have that backup in terms of aid stations and so on. What are the things that you should take in mind or consideration as you Mm. approach something like that as opposed to a race? You're talking backcountry sort of stuff, like you're talking yeah. about. Just, yeah, yeah. I, think, I mean, I think people, people, you know, going after it. Um, and maybe it is backcountry. Maybe it is um, uh, somewhere remote. Or or even just, you know, there's places in the Waitakere's where you're, you know, you're not actually far from Auckland City, but if you get in trouble, then, you know, it's a hell of a lot of trouble for other people to come and get you kind of thing. So so I guess, yeah. you know, well, you, I think, you need to I think, think about having a real yeah, having a re- having a realistic um, idea of of what you're getting into because you know we've all we've all seen you know oh, I take you know compuls- some compulsory gear or if I'm going on a big mission this is the gear I take and and that's all good and you should have your PLB and you should have you know extra sets of clothing and and polyprops and um, all that stuff and that's all cool and you need all that if 
if you if you fall over and break your leg and you're stuck out there and there's fog and a chopper can't get in, then you have to be aware that it's not going to be a good – that's not a good scenario. Like you've got a set of polyprops and you've got some food and you've set your PLB off, but you might be out there for a, a while, right? So you, I think just be realistic about – about what you're doing, if, if you don't have a bivy bag and a sleeping bag with you, which let's be honest, most of us don't. I, I don't carry that stuff if I'm going um, on a big day mission, then you are out there on your own. Mm. And and so just that's the reality of that. And, you know, maybe you've done the best you can, but like with that reality, when you're in out in the backcountry and you've got a PLB and a set of polyprops, and some and twenty four hours worth of food, it may not be the best time to, you know, roll the dice on that rocky downhill, mm. particularly if the weather's closing in, and you know there's no aid station or crew around that are going to know that you're going to hit your head on that rock. Yeah, like, yeah, it may yeah. not be the best time. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah. Um. So maybe dial it back a notch. Like I think that's the big thing because, like, what's the most common thing? Are oh, you you tripped off and went off the edge of the track somewhere that no one knows about, or you bust your ankle or bust your leg. Hmm. Um, so maybe take a bit more care. Like, and I think, I think just go in with that mindset that you're responsible. Mm. You know what I mean? We're sort of, we're heading into this world where someone else is responsible, where there's a health and safety plan. Well, that's only going to get you so far. Like you've got to, at some point we've all got to step up and take responsibility and go, okay, like, like I'm out here in the bush. I put myself out here in the bush. Um, I'll, I'll get myself back to the car park, right? So it's not a good time. You know, like sometimes you can just roll your ankle. That happens. But, you know, like I go pretty slow when I'm out there. I'm not, I'm not trying to kill it, like, you know. Mm. So so expect just, just expect a self-rescue. That's what you're saying. Yeah, I think so because – yeah, like you know, the rescues aren't guaranteed. Like, and you're putting other people putting you're putting other people out. They've got to come and get you. Like, yeah. it's yeah. not, you know. Yeah. Like, I think just yeah, take care, and and do the best you can. If something happens, then it happens. Of course. You know? yeah. yeah. I mean, There's sometimes be a, sometimes sometimes there isn't. Hopefully, it works out. But if yeah. you want, if you want to push the envelope, and if yeah. you want to, if you want to ram all those levers forward, like you want to break a record, and you want to, you know, go faster than you've ever gone, and you want to. Um, you know, put rev the engine as much as you can, and you know, run the risk of you know busting your leg or whatever. Do it, yeah, do it where you've, where there's a lot of support. Yeah, and, yeah, and where you know, I, but I'm, yeah, I'm some really, of those missions aren't the place to do it. I really like this because what we're hearing is that staying savage doesn't necessarily mean being an idiot. Well, some yeah, sometimes sometimes staying savage means you know doing your own thing and and taking responsibility, you know. Yeah. Um, so let's yeah. talk about mindset. I mean, Brooke Thomas and Emma Timmis, like as a coach, yes. you must be feeling pretty stoked <laughs> that you've got these two yeah. athletes who talk about savage. Yeah, I, exactly. I mean, we've run through with both. We've had them both on the show. Um, yes. We've run through the preparations and stuff. Like, well, not so much the preparation, the execution. When yep. you're talking about mindset, I mean, how much are you getting into that with those individuals? Are you, are you doing a lot of, like, what is your approach to that sort of stuff? Because mindset has got to be 
at least 50% of the battle, right? Yeah, so I, I think uh, I think my approach is, like, you have to be careful, right? Because, um, like we were just discussing, if you give people too many, you know, sort of too much cotton wool, then they they don't have a lot of tools to deal with things. You know what I mean? So I'll, I'll tend to give my athletes options about, you know, what, maybe think about doing this for your food. Maybe think about doing this, you know, sort of effort or pace on this run you know, think about this for this hill session and get the athlete thinking about how they're going to successfully do something. And then during the, you know, six months or three months training, they are building up a database of success that they can tick off. Yes, I successfully did that session. Yes, I successfully worked out fueling for this, you know, for this long run. And so by the time they get to we're running the length of the country, they have a whole database of things that they've done, right? And that mm. gives them the confidence. And they've had to use some mindset stuff to do all that, right? So every week they're putting some discipline in the bank and some success in the bank that is going to like see them in good stead for that you know, length of New Zealand run or for the race or whatever it is. Um, that they can draw on. So um, I think, yeah, we want thinking athletes. We want thinking runners um, because you're going to, if you're halfway up on loop two or loop three at Northburn uh, and I've seen people up there crying and in aid stations and DNFing, there's no one up there to help you. You're, you know, you're, you're on your own. So if you haven't had to have figured things out in your training, when the first time you're figuring something out is halfway through loop three on Northburn, you're probably not going to make a good decision. So, and it's the, the same goes for that safety thing. If the first time you're cold is when you've rolled your ankle and you're halfway mm. across the route burn, you're not going to be making good decisions because you're going to be cold and oh, I've never been cold before. So maybe in your training, it's not a bad thing to get cold in training. Like if, if it's a controlled environment, if you're just on a couple of hour run and you you know you're not far from home, you know you don't need to wrap up you know for, for everything like if you're a little bit cold, your body is fine with that you can be cold, you can get a bit warm, you know it's fine, don't be silly, but um yeah, don't put yourself in situations where all the bad things happen and you've never experienced them. you mm. know what I mean like mm. um but yeah, so but for those girls, I mean. The main thing for me is they they come to me, they want to do that sort of thing. Um, I'm never going to tell anyone to go and run 100K on the road <laughs> for, for 20 days. You know what I mean? Um, you've got to want to do that. <laughs> you know, and Emma, Emma, that was that's what she wanted to do. Um, and same with Brooke. You know, Brooke had the idea she wants to run the TA. And, and she said to me, she said, do you think I can – I can break the record and I, and looking at the record and looking at her, you know, I could, I could say to her, I could say, you can do it. We've, you know, we've got four or five months. You're going to have to, do, you know, you're going to have to put in the work, but you know, you can do it. Um, for something like what Emma did, not everyone's going to be able to do that. Mm. So <laughs> if people come and ask me if they can do that, well, they might get a different answer. 
or, or they might need two years. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and you're going to get chewed up yeah. and spat out yeah. whether you're successful or not. So, when you, um, but if you want to do it, then cool. When you talk about those important <laughs> sessions, um, what struck me with Emma was the she talked about going out and doing a, a, a replicating. I think she did two days in the camp with the camper van and stuff, and yep. did two back to back days. So that's that's the sort of thing you're talking about doing is kind of preparing, you know, because the things that you learn in doing that aren't there that you you figure out, and like you say, you want to figure them out in training, not on the race day. But that seemed like a really key session. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, that was one early on, um, mm. and she she specifically wanted to do that, and it's it's a good idea. Um, you know, I mean that. Well, that would make up ten percent of what she did, but like yeah. you say, it gives like a lot. Like a lot of those multi-day ones, the TA or you know, running the length of the road, a lot of it's logistics and crew. Mm. Yeah, and so um, I've run with like Glenn Sutton before. Um, he did the Milford Sound to Mount Cook, which yep. outrageous uh, run. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of logistics in that, and there's a lot of crew. Um, input that goes into that and you need to have that organised because um, like when, when I, I ran with Glenn from Kingston to Frankton and Queenstown and it was maybe a eight hour shift or something but there's a lot of you know his crew are there sort of every 20 to 30 minutes so it's, it's literally like a couple of vehicles walkie talkies um, and, and dealing with you know pushing their runner you know, further down the road. So, yeah, there's a bit to manage there. Um, bugger running the road, man. Oh, <laughs> after that conversation. Yeah, so good on her, you know. Yeah. It's like, oh, mate. <laughs> I like yeah. that how my favourite story about that whole thing was when she got like two days out. And, you know, you talk about flexibility of your crew and the support. She's just like, I yeah. just want Frosties. Get me Frosties, you know. No, 100%, right? Imagine and her sort of pinning her partner against the wall of the camper van. Yeah, just be like frosties now, and and they yeah. did. Yeah, and and with all the training stuff, right? With whether it's electrolytes or um, hydration, fuel, pacing, all that stuff. Yeah, you have to maybe do the book work, maybe do the work in training. Um, you know, look at your watch, look at your heart rate. You do all that stuff, and then at the end of the day, you've got to match it up with how you feel and what feels right for you and if that's eating frosties 10 times a day and and that's working then you do that right so so part of the mindset and part of being savage is yeah here's some ideas and answers but when you get to eight day 18 and you need cornflakes if that's what you feel like then you eat damn cornflakes you know what i mean like yeah, yeah. Like you've got to you've got to make those decisions and you've got to yeah, I think you've got to be flexible. Like these the long distance endurance events, they're gonna throw up lots of things. And if you can't adapt on the fly, then you will you will drop, you know. <laughs> and that's just you gotta be good at that. You've got to be good at problem solving and yeah. Yeah. And look, man, that's that is sage advice for life at the moment. Right. <laughs> Yeah, just being good at pivoting and, yeah. you know, um, and it's, yeah, like something like the Revenant, you sort of become more and more aware of it that, damn, like I needed to make that decision like 
on the fly like right then. And if you don't, then too late. Yeah. It's game over. Mm. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Hopefully so you get a bit more you get a bit more breathing room at some of the other races. Yeah, you know, yeah, I like, bet you do. Extreme example. And and you spend a week, you know, chewing it over afterwards and you know. But but hey, if you don't go to the limit, how do you you know you don't learn, right? So exactly. that's right. Exactly. That's exactly just, right. Uh, you know, What's next? What it is. Uh, I don't know. There's how many backyards are there this year in New Zealand? There's, yeah. Wow. There's I don't. Pigs. I don't know. No. Who know? And that's the thing, right? Who knows? I was yeah. just having a conversation with someone just before saying, "Are you going to do? Are you going to put relapse on?" And the answer is, "Don't know yet." You know, want to? Yeah. Um, but who knows? Mm. That, yeah, yeah, kind of- yeah. I think at the moment, take your chances with uh, races. Like we've just had a great, just had like a great sort of three or four weeks, you know, mm-hmm. went down to Bluffs or Emma, uh, you know, did a bit of the Revenant, then, you know, got on, got along to Naseby, you know, look at Glenn, you know, just yeah, sort of, yeah, go by the seat of your pants and just, yeah. you know, if it works, it works, go and do it. And, Absolutely. Yeah, you know, have a good time and don't overthink it too much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Perfect. Perfect. That yeah. is, that is the, that is the advice we we needed. Look, man, We'll let you get back to your cold beer and your yurt. Thank you for coming off holiday to speak to us. We really appreciate it. Um, yeah, no worries. Where, where do people fight? You've had a greatest run ever. You're more than welcome to have another one. But I don't closing, even know if I did a greatest run last time. I think I'm like one of the only people just to just cut us dead. Just to go. I've had a lot of good runs, guys. You know. <laughs> uh, no, go to aerobicedge.com. Uh, sign up. It's how I uh, make my living. It's how I, you know you become a better runner. So. You become a more savage runner. So, so yeah, go to aerobicage.com, uh, check it out. And, yeah, lots of athletes doing cool, cool things. Uh, mm. Yeah, so that's that's cool. And, yeah, a few races going on. Um, yeah, not too sure what's next for me. What have you guys – what are you guys up to? You got oh, this is the anything thing. exciting in the pipeline? It's just – yeah, we were just talking about it before. It's like do we – you know, do you – because you just don't know what's going to go on with races. Um, and yeah. having had a couple of races last year that I trained quite hard for that didn't go ahead, you kind of start mm, yeah. to get a bit deflated. So it's maybe thinking about um, races slash missions, you know. If, 100%. If the yeah. race doesn't happen, I'll do this, you know. Yeah. So you so yeah, you've got something to focus on. Yeah, so you've got something to focus on with your with your training. Yeah. But but yeah, I mean yeah. it's just, you know, getting out there and running. That's what I mean. Yeah. I, at the end of the day, I love running, you know. Races are what well, one, I don't know, can't even know what the one equation part is. Of it. Yeah, they're one week tiny out part of it. Yeah. yeah. One part of uh, it. But yeah. it's the running uh, that I like. So, you know, as long as mm. I can keep doing that, I'm happy. Yeah. yeah I, I, was saying to, I was saying to Eugene before, I mean, where, the point I'm at over that, the journey with the lockdowns, where I'm at at the moment is and I was talking to, you know, I was in a meeting at work the other day and people are saying, oh, you know, at this period, I'm just having this chance to just relax a little bit. You know, this is before. And I was like, I am just, trying to get as jacked as possible training as hard as I can <laughs> for life you know because I yeah. don't know like what is around the corner and if it gets super hectic on the healthcare scene you know and, and it literally yeah this is the thing it, it will become apparent we don't know but we're having those conversations if it's you if it's you if it's you what are you gonna do you yeah. know what I mean it, it could be yeah. game changing so you've been doing that's nothing, the nothing wrong with being resilient man no yeah. that's what and, and that's it like yeah whether it's mm. running I, or lifting weights or yeah, you know, figured, whatever it is, yeah. Um, yeah. So, but and if, and a perfect world. I mean, we both, hey Eugene, we, we set our sights to more sort of marathon distances this year, 
and just trying to get, you know, again, just get yeah. as much running in as we can. And yeah. I figure as well, if it's, you know, if we're looking at a disease, which is largely respiratory in nature, I want to be. Oh, you want to be as strong as you I can. I want to meet it as hard as I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Definitely. Yep. Uh-huh. So. Uh-huh. Strength is never a weakness. Weakness is never a strength. That's oh, right. Hopefully, Omicron will get Matt Raymond rather than the other way around. <laughs> yeah, no, you guys seem, you guys like super fresh and optimistic. It's awesome. Yeah. Probably <laughs> this today. podcast, you get to talk to people every week and just yeah. thrash it out. And yep. then absolutely. It's like, yeah, it's all good. Yeah. Life's yep. awesome. Life's good. Carry Life's on. Good. And that, and that's the thing, and that, maybe that's a really good way to leave it on. And it is—it's that place of privilege, right? But like, life is, yeah. in the large part, with it's what you make it, and it's, yeah, yeah, it's good to get, yeah, it's good to be. It's good. Awesome. I mean, look at this. This is cool, right? Having a yeah, conversation with good. you. Yeah. I'm hey, gonna hear it. hey, did you, <laughs> did you? Did you? I don't see, know where you guys are. <laughs> oh, in my bedroom. Yeah, bedroom mute. Um, did you hear that last week there was uh, an Adam Kane drinking game started? Oh yeah. Where if you listen to last week's episode of Dirt Church Radio, you had to drink every oh. time Adam Keane was said. Apparently, people were I did, smashed. I did see that. From someone, yeah, <laughs> that's pretty funny. You know, you've yeah, made well. it as a coach, right? If that is now, yeah, as a, as yeah, exactly. a, as a you're as a drinking game. drinking game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, all that's right. awesome. Hey, look, cool, thank man. you very, hey, very thanks much. So much. Appreciate it. And we look forward to catching. Cool. You yeah, appreciate person. all you guys. Do eh? All right. You too, brother. See Cheers, you soon. Brother. Great work. See you later. Bye. Until the intro, I'd forgotten about the tequila on uh, Kepler. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Fantastic. I think that was the first time I met him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just incredible. Yeah. It's so, uh, it's so I will always, and a bit of a, I'm a bit of a lush, but I'll always take a shot of tequila. And, and it's that thing, isn't it? It's continuing on in that theme of if I get to the pearly gates in St. Peter or whatever it goes, did you get that shot of tequila right? put down for you on the top of that mountain you know i'm always going to take a shot of tequila i don't know what yeah. people do but fantastic fantastic some some magnificent advice there uh and and you know great to hear someone who you know whose catchphrase is is be more savage um also remind us of being sensible yeah you don't know don't be stupid don't be stupid don't be stupid yeah yeah brilliant look and, and that's the thing and if we could gently and lovingly encourage you all to not be stupid, uh, yep. be cool to each other, especially at the moment, uh, and be cool to each other going forward. Thank you very much for tuning in. We're on social media at Dirt Church Radio. You can email us at dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. You can find us on all the podcast platforms, like and subscribe if you fancy, and you can download direct from the website, which is dirtchurchradio.com. Don't forget to write in with your greatest run ever. We love hearing from you with them, and you can read them on the website. Send them into dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. Thanks to our sponsors, Scott Running for the Faster and Sealy. Thank you to our Patreon patrons and Wild Things, and thank you to our editor, Kieran. Now stay tuned. We've got an incredible guest. Oh, yeah. Incredible guest lined up for you next week. Take care of yourselves. Thanks, Rigby.